When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All these schools have been a great experience for me. This has been uh, the most difficult decision of my life. Uh, with that being said, I would be committed to it. I want to be uh, the star trainer here in St. Louis and uh, stay home and take our talents to Missouri. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon B.K. Kiley. This is Before the Box Score. Luther Burden. Clap, 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 clap. It happened. It actually happened. The thing that we've been talking about since June, July, I don't even remember, but it, we are finally in a position where Luther Burden not only committed to his school of choice, but that school of choice just happened to be your University of Missouri fighting football tigers. BK, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Couldn't be any better. It's a great day to be a Tiger. It's a great day to be an alum. It's a great day to be anywhere near the locale of Columbia, Missouri, where I hope you are celebrating today if you are there with some booches, some CJs, maybe a quick drink from Flat Branch. Maybe you're getting crazy and going to Shakespeare's right afterwards. Whatever you're doing to celebrate what is the most joyous of all occasions, a five-star talent and a true five-star talent Deciding that he wants to spend the next three years of his life and hopefully nothing more because he's so good that it makes no sense for him to stay more than three years at the University of Missouri. What a great day this is, man. I'm happy because no one had to read the piece that I wrote in case he didn't commit where I had to spin this thing into how everything is fine. Uh, I know you're happy because you got to talk about Missouri football on the radio in a positive sense. I know Bush Hamden. Our quarterback and receivers coach is happy because he gets to pair a five-star receiver with a four-star quarterback. I know Steve Wilkes is happy because we're not talking about him for 12 hours, even though I did drop a piece that kind of inadvertently referenced him. Uh, and I know Eric Link is happy. Our special teams coordinator is, is incredibly happy because now he's got a punter to replace Grant McInnes when he graduates. 
Uh, and a punt returner as well. Yeah. Like, dude's going to do both. I mean, really, seriously. How many Ray guys is Luther Burden going to win uh, by the time he... I, let's just say three, right? Three Ray guy awards for outstanding punting. Like, that, that's totally reasonable, right? They might give him two one year, so maybe he gets the fourth. Okay. Um, I will say, watching his highlight highlights the other night, once again, um, one of the highlights is him punting. And it's it's a fake punt because, of course, of course, and he just like he gets ready and acts like he's getting ready to punt and then just tucks it and runs for like 25 yards. He's the the highlights from him, man. And this is just the 2021 film that I saw are just absurd. He outruns everybody. He's stronger than everybody. He runs crisp routes. He outruns them deep. He runs underneath, breaks a tackle, does a dead leg, then goes the other way, <laughs> jukes him. Like, it's it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd what you see when you watch this guy's film. Luther Burden, 6'2", 205. He will wear number three for Missouri. He said that he wanted to wear number three. Number three is available on offense. Currently on defense, is worn by Martez Manuel. So he will absolutely be number three once he puts on the black and gold. He is the sixth ranked receiver in the 2022 high school recruiting class. He's the number one receiving recruit in the country. He is the number one recruit in Illinois. He was also the number one recruit in Missouri when he was pl- still playing for Cardinal Ritter. Um, and he is, he is the fourth five-star recruit to commit to Missouri in the rivals era. Before that, you had uh, Blaine Gabbert. You had Doriel Green Beckham. And you had... Uh, Sheldon Richardson. Now, of course, if you go to like the 247 composite, Terry Beckner's in there too, but he wasn't a consensus five star. So let's just keep it to that. Um, he is, he is, he is worth every positive recruiting thing that you've ever read, that you've ever seen. All of it is true. All of it is true. His coach, Daryl Suckett over at East, uh, East St. Louis said he's never played a coach to competitor like this before. He is beloved in the St. Louis community. He commands a lot of respect for a lot of high school players and him committing to Missouri is not just the immediate win. The immediate win being a five-star receiver saying, no, thank you, Alabama, go kick rocks, Georgia. I'm going to Missouri. This is also a statement for Eli Drinkwitz, the Missouri football program on the recruiting trail of we're going to get the five stars. We can bring in the five stars. We can get blue chip recruits just like anybody else, no matter what our record is. And when other blue chippers, other four and five star guys see Luther Burden going to Missouri around the nation, you go, oh, well, maybe I should consider that. Kids in St. Louis who look up to Luther Burden. Oh, maybe I'll do that. Specifically, think about Miles McVeigh, the offensive tackle for East St. Louis. He was talking uh, to. Was it Sean Williams? I think I forget. Someone at Power Mizzou. And he was saying, look, I've, I've watched these East St. Louis guys go through their recruitment and go to their schools. And now it's my turn. He just watched Luther Burden pick Missouri. The, the, the ripple effects from this not only impact Missouri on the field in the immediate term, not only on the recruiting trail in the immediate term, but recruiting trail in the long term. As long as Drinkwitz and this staff is here, they're saying, hey, you can come here and you can make this happen. Luther Burden did. You can too. And this is why when we talked last week and, and you were a little c- concerned, I think is a fair way to yeah. describe it. Yeah. 
about whether or not he would end up picking Missouri. I, I just never really totally was caught or was believing that he was going to go elsewhere because if he had any interest in Mizzou, there was a reason for that. And it wasn't because they were winning because they didn't win a whole lot last year, even though they like outperformed expectations, they were still a 500 team. And the other teams that he was looking at were Oklahoma, Alabama, and Georgia. Those are three of the top five to seven programs in the country, not just like in recent years, like over the last decade. And so if he was going to pick Missouri, it was always going to be about NIL deals and the ability to play for the home state and the ability to to make a change at a program that holds some value to him and the people that he's close to. And I think that's what's so special about this man is he decided to take the hard path. And that's not necessarily something that he had to do. He chose to do this. He's willingly doing it despite other better options in terms of the actual football on-field product right now. And I, I think that is so damn commendable. And I'm saying this, of course, as a Missouri fan, but God, it's it's just these are the kinds of stories that you get into watching college football because of because this stuff's possible. And if you're a Missouri fan, this is hopefully the ground floor of what it looks like when the program starts to get back up to where it was in the mid 2000s and the early portion of the 2010s. This is what it takes is players like Luther Burden deciding that it is worth their time, worth their effort to make a difference at a program like Mizzou. If it's not for players like this, you're not able to do it. You got to get some of these wins. You got to get them early on. And this could potentially be that kind of a commitment for Eli Drinkwitz and the Missouri Tigers. Absolutely. This is this is what Gary Pinkle did. Now, Missouri high school football talent in the early 2000s was not nearly as uh, pronounced as it is now. Uh, you have a handful of blue chippers in a given year and. Then everybody else was kind of, you know, whatever, at least on the national uh, recruiting services. Now, part of that was that just the state of Missouri was overlooked, but a lot of uh, Missouri football talent, like the high school football talent, had to go through the JUCO routes uh, before they really got noticed. So you go all the way back to what, Damian Nash was 2000, 2001, I think. That was really like, oh, Damian Nash is a, is a nationally ranked player. He's picking Gary Pinkle in Missouri. That really started to kind of turn some eyes uh, in state towards uh, obviously Missouri, and you back that up with getting you know Tony Temple uh, from the Kansas City area. He was a Rockhurst product. Uh, Chase Kaufman from Raypeck follows along. You see Martin Rucker from St. Joseph, and then on the other side, he nabs Blaine Gabbert, 2008, the 2008 recruiting class, the number one quarterback in the nation, number one player in the state, gets him on board. He gets DGB in 2012. He gets all these really talented Missouri kids. He litters them in with some other high school talent that, that fits the system that he wants to develop. And then you sprinkle in some overlooked guys from Texas, from Oklahoma, from Kansas. Uh, voila. There, there's, there's your gumbo that makes the run for the Big 12 North two years in a row and the SEC East two years in a row. It's, it's something that Gary Pinkle was able to do, getting not all of them, but a few impact athletes from the state of Missouri and, and then getting kind of just a bunch of other guys to follow suit. It's something that Barry Odom could not do. Barry Odom's recruiting footprint was all over the place. It was whoever was going to talk to me. 
Hmm. And they were great scouts. Like they could go into, you know, South Carolina and find a guy and go, wow, no one's really, no one's looking at this kid. And yeah, he would be really good, but they didn't have the ability to, to resonate with, with the high, high caliber athletes uh, that you need. You need at least a few uh, to field a competitive football team consistently. And so far, Eli Drinkwitz is doing that. You look at this class right now, the 2022 recruiting class, 15 players. 15 players, six are four stars or higher, six blue chippers, Luther Burden, Sam Horn, Tavoris Jones, Deshaun Woods, Isaac Thompson, Marquise Gracio. Outside of that, currently, you have four three stars that are rated at 5.7 in Rivals. That's I think it's seven now, right? Are, are you looking on Rivals or are you going 24-7? Mm, I might need to update this. Uh, I guess Deshaun Woods, Marcus Scott, Marquise Gracio, Isaac Thompson, Tavoris Jones, Sam Horn. Those are the four stars. And now Luther Marcus Burton. So that's seven yeah. now. I'm forgetting Marcus Scott. Yeah. So on the net, you well, got, let's not shortchange him. I'm not trying to. No, <laughs> I, I mean, he's not nationally ranked, but he is a four star. He's 5.9 yeah. four, four star. Armand Mimbu, Valen Erickson, Mikai Miller, Jamarian Wayne. These are 5.7 three stars. That's the highest three star you could possibly get. <clears throat> and then there's only four uh, three stars at a rate of 5.6 or lower. Uh, Jalen Marshall, Xavier Simmons, Max Wisner, and Tristan Wilson. And we, you have gone over that tape. We have talked about them. those dudes are going to be good players. So this is a class. We talked about the 2021 class. And I've said before, the 2021 class ain't playing this year or not playing a lot. You need to have great recruiting classes and then you need another and you need another and you need another. And this could be two for two. I, I Right now, Missouri's recruiting class nationally is ranked 15th. With a five-star and the number of four-stars that they have, barring any decommitments, you're not going to fall outside the top 20. So you are potentially having two top 20 recruiting classes in a row to start building that that ground floor, that base level of player talent to start playing. And in the SEC, that's not going to get you far. That's mostly the expectations. But look, we are closing the gap on the recruiting trail, which is something that we as fans have been asking for years, ever since we got in the SEC. And regardless of the on-field product right now, this is why you hired Eli Drinkwitz. He is closing the recruiting gap, and that is a tremendous start. Absolutely. Um, I ran some numbers on this earlier today. So from 2013 to 2019, Missouri had 12, four or five-star players that committed and made it to campus. So that's 2013 to 2019. Over the last two classes, they've now had 12, four to five-stars. That hopefully, fingers crossed, barring something unforeseen, will all make it to campus. Mm -hmm. So they have matched what they had in seven years in two. That's how you get to where you need to go. Mm -hmm. That's how you end up stacking classes, as you mentioned, back to back, and then hopefully continuing to do so. And that's how you end up when you go into what percentage of blue chip talent do you have on your roster? And that's going to kind of show you who the teams are that are actually contending. Hopefully Missouri starts showing up more on some of those lists, a lot higher on those lists. And given what they've done over the last two years, they will. You're getting closer and closer to that. Like you won't get to 50 percent threshold and they probably never will. But could you get to like 25 to 30 consistently? It seems at least possible. Uh, and that's the kind of thing that is just completely changed with the way that Missouri's recruiting right now. I mean, last year. Missouri finished, according to rivals at least, 
with a better recruiting class than Auburn, than Mississippi State, than Arkansas, than Tennessee. This year, you're currently ranked, last I checked, fifth in the SEC in terms mm-hmm. of the team rankings for rivals. That is something I never thought I would see. <laughs> yeah. like, just full stop. I, I never thought that would even be possible. Missouri, as of today, has fewer commits and a better recruiting class than Michigan, Stanford, uh, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Tennessee. I, I can't believe I'm even saying these <laughs> names are behind USC. Mm-hmm. This is this is wild, man. I mean, they're just they're recruiting at a level literally unprecedented in the history of Missouri football since we've been tracking any of these things. And this is just this is the symbol of it all. The fact that they were able to come to a crescendo in the middle of what has been a pretty crappy season, as we all know, and they're able to get that guy out of this city where so many of the players like him decide to go elsewhere. And I'm not knocking them for doing so. I get it, man. If you want to go play for Oklahoma or Ohio State or Bama or Georgia or Texas A&M, hey, more power to you. Go play in front of 70 to 100,000 fans every weekend and go pro. God bless you. Good luck. But it, it does, it means a little more for Mizzou when they're able to get this guy out of St. Louis. It, it just does. Not only is he a five-star, but he's a St. Louis five-star. And this is the place that they've had so many troubles in recent years. And to be able to get him, it's not just important in terms of what the actual on-field product is going to be. It's also important for the symbolism of what that means. Absolutely. You know, he, 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 when you are... You can't talk about active recruitment. So Eli Drinkwitz can't really talk about his feelings on Luther Burden signing <clears throat> the video. They even put out last night <clears throat> with everybody high-fiving and, and, and being and celebrating. They couldn't say that was because they were watching Luther Burden. <laughs> Just, we still have some very antiquated rules here in, in college football. But the point is he mentioned something actually really interesting that I had noticed because when I do my uh, opponent previews, I put out the, the projected death charts. And, you know, the rankings and like where they're from and all that stuff. Now, Tennessee has an East St. Louis kid on their offensive line. Javante Spragans. Uh, he's a sophomore. He is starting for the Volunteers. He is out of East St. Louis. Texas A&M has an East St. Louis guy on their roster. Uh, they're starting linebacker. He's a good one, too. Yeah. Um, what's uh, what? Uh, Antonio, Antonio Johnson. Johnson. I th- yeah. I think he was previously Antonio Doyle. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he plays. He's kind of like a hybrid nickelback for them. Um, but he's an East St. Louis kid, also a sophomore. Like even Luther Burden mentioned this in his commitment, like in his commitment, commitment speech or his Q and a, he was just like, I've seen guys go to other programs, kind of leave the area and go to other programs. And I, he's like, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to make, you know, my, my, my schools, my state school, my hometown school, I wanted to make it better. And that's even what what Eli Drinkwood said, he mentioned Spragans and Johnson specifically as well. I was like, look, those are two kids that, you know, they're not with Missouri and they're making an impact somewhere else in the SEC. We, we don't want that. You should have a built-in advantage just being so close. Now, I understand that, you know, distance is not always a thing for, for high school kids going into college. I know it's big for their parents. They want them to stick around. Obviously, Luther Sr. was very vocal about him wanting his son to play very close, but hey, you... We were all 17, 18. You want to stretch your wings. You want to, baby bird wants to leave the nest and fly away. And sometimes kids just want to leave. That's fine. 
But if you can create an incentive, if you can create a reason for these this elite athletic talent coming out from Kansas City and St. Louis and East St. Louis, get them to come to Missouri like we've talked about it before. Make it cool. Get, make it a reason. Have a have a movement of getting these kids on campus. Like that's that's how you start making waves. And you know, you mentioned the the blue chip ratio where over 50% of your roster is four or five star kids. And cur- currently right now, like in the year of our Lord, 2021, this football season, Missouri's blue chip ratio is 11%, which is the highest it's ever been uh, since it's been kept track. Or let me take that back since I've been keeping track, which is four years. So 50% is kind of like the Question bare minimum. You. Yes. Let me hear um, it. Just as a, as a follow up on that, how many of those are guys that came in under Drinkwitz? Do you, do you have that in front of you? Because I, I... The guys who came Mookie in Cooper, under... Well, he was um, a transfer, if you want to count that one. Right. Yes. I'm assuming that's that's part of it, though, right? That's part of it. So Dominic Lovett. Uh, Tyler Macon. Dalen Carnell. Travian Ford. Kai Montgomery. And then... Um, I think there's one more that I'm missing. Dominic Lovett. Yeah, I said Dominic. Okay, Lovett. you mentioned Love It as well. But Chad Bailey, Jelani Williams, oh. and DPJ were all Odom guys. Okay. Right? Yeah. Jelani Williams was 19, right? Yep, yep, that's correct. Yeah. So, I mean, six of the nine are Trinkwitz commits or Mookie Cooper transferring him. And so 50% is kind of like the bare minimum. If you have 50% of your roster at a blue chip level, again, a four or five star kid, you can probably compete and win two games in the playoff to win the national championship. That's kind of the logic behind it. Missouri's at 11. However, you don't necessarily need the full 50%. And Bud Elliott is the guy who came up with this metric. And his reasoning for that is like, look at Oregon. Oregon recruits really, really well, but has only recently been in the 50% club. Well, Let's rewind that back a little bit. They've been in the national title twice. They've actually won a playoff game against Florida State. If they've never been 50%, well, how does that work? Well, basically, his his caveat is you can be close to 50%, like 35 40 45%, if you have a transcendent quarterback, like Oregon did with... Um, Mariota, right? Oh, Marcus Mariota. Thank you. So if you're even if you're in shouting distance of 50% and you have an elite quarterback that's going to be in the NFL, yes, you can probably make some noise in the playoff too. So Missouri doesn't even need to crack 50%. I'd suggest they do it. But they don't have to to see success especially in the SEC with so many other blue chip ratio teams. If you can just continue to recruit elite quarterbacks, which he has done and will continue to do, and then keep building this roster with just a little bit more four stars, a little bit more five stars. You can make waves that way as well. And that just continue that recruiting momentum off the field. So it's, it's, it's who you get and how you get them. Obviously the Clemson model, we've talked about that before quarterbacks, receivers, uh, pass rushers and, and corners. You can do it that way. You can also just get an elite quarterback and a lot of speed and just make a ton of noise. So there are multiple ways of doing it. Point is, this is the step in that direction. No matter which which trail you want to take, getting five star receivers and a lot of blue chip kids, that's that's the way to do it. And they're getting there. They're not there yet, but they're getting there. 
and that and that's the thing that is important and as you lay the foundation for what is eventually going to be a successful program this is what it looks like now there's other steps <laughs> like you it's not just collect as many four and five star talents and thrive there's player development there's strength and conditioning programs that have to be successful there's kids that have to avoid getting injuries that end up taking up time and taking away opportunities to continue to develop the way that you hope and believe that they should um it's all of these different things and also there's a little bit of luck that has to happen along the way there's not mm -hmm. bad calls that go against you uh, your, your quarterback leaves after four years instead of three because he decides that he just loves the program. Like all of these things are are what plays into how you get to the ultimate goal, which is competing on a national level. But it all starts in the same place. The basis of your program is recruiting, and it's a cliche for a reason, because that's how you get better, man. Th this team right now there was a reason why Nate was low on them coming into the season. It was because he just looked at the cold, hard facts and said, this team just isn't that talented. I mean, you look back, I, I did this earlier today. 2020 class, zero, four or five star talents. 2019 class, one, four or five star. 2018, two, four stars. 2017, one, four star, but he never made it. I mean, that's your team. Those are the players that are currently playing other than the guys that you were able to get out of the transfer portal. So why are the Missouri Tigers struggling this year? Well, because from 2017 to 2020, they had three, four or five star talents that made it to campus. That's just not good enough. Yeah, of course they're struggling because they didn't have the talent. They don't have the dudes out there. I don't care what your scheme is. There's only so much you can do when you are that that much at a talent de deficit against even teams like Ole Miss and Mississippi State. There's just not enough talent out there for Missouri to be successful. That's not a shot against the kids. It's just the reality of how college football is played nowadays. And they just they don't have the guys. And if you're not going to be recruiting, you know, that many blue chippers, then you need them to hit. And like you said, Deron Davis never made it to campus. Chad Bailey has been a career backup. Daniel Parker Jr. has been an excellent blocking tight end, but blocking tight ends don't score a lot of touchdowns. Uh, Jelani Williams has been a career backup, and then there was none in 2020. So, And by the yeah. way, important uh, important disclaimer there, I, there will probably be some that hear you, Nate, and say, yeah, that's why recruiting rankings don't matter. No, that's why you need to get more of them, because the percentage yes. of four and five stars that hit is significantly higher than the percentage of two and three stars that end up hitting. And so are there are there stories, great stories of guys that were completely under recruited and clearly overlooked on the recruiting trail that ended up being two stars that were great college players? Absolutely. There's great stories like that. But there's like thousands of two stars across the country mm -hmm. and you might get a hundred of them nationwide that hit in any given year and in a really high level the percentage of them is extraordinarily low. Meanwhile, of the four and five star guys, you can go back through it. Just go back through any random year on Rivals and look up the top 100 and then try to figure out how many of those guys ended up making it to the NFL. They were drafted at some point. I don't know if it'll be 50%, but I bet you most of those, it ends up approaching like 25. 
And that's the difference. That's what happens when you're recruiting at this level is you just increase your chances of being able to hit on these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And if one busts, so what? You brought in five others, you know, like that's the entire idea. Um, it's the same thing that happens during the draft. Oh, look at this two star. Look at this walk on who came from nothing. Well, yeah, like you said, there's thousands of them. Overwhelmingly, if you want to get drafted in the NFL, you're going to be a four or five star guy. Just flat out. I think five stars have like 60% draft rate or something like that. Something absolutely insane. Two stars are like, you know, 22% or something super low. But again, thousands of them versus 20, what, 25 stars? Per year or yeah. something like that so it's it's just such it's it's so much more likely that five stars get in the nfl versus a, a two star that you develop you can do it either way it's just way harder to, to do the development around um as, as as we can attest to you know it takes a while for that machine to get going and when it gets going that's good but even then the development king gary pinkle he's still bringing in four and five star kids to be impact players. So like you can't just do one or the other. You got to do both. And it's better to do, to do both when you have a lot more blue chippers. So Luther Burden is a tiger. Um, what does that mean for this team? Well, he doesn't play defense. So that doesn't really solve a problem there. Um, but he does play receiver. And all year we've been talking about how the sum of the receiving core is better than its individual parts. Uh, and that, you know, they can get seven, eight guys getting targets, but no one's really going to break out and make something happen. You can argue that that's just because the type of receivers we have have not been developed. They're not ready yet. All true. Uh, maybe it's just, oh, these are just possession guys and never going to be kind of the breakaway speedsters. Okay. Yeah. That's also true. Insert Luther burden. It's kind of like, um, Kind of like in basketball, when you're asking a point guard to do all the scoring when he's really bettered as a distributor. Same thing here. I think that this receiving core is being asked to do more than what they actually want to do. I think Tasky Dove and Kiki Chisholm are great possession guys. High point it, catch it, but they're not going to ever burn somebody or just, just beat the hell out of their corner. That's something Luther Burden can do. We've seen him do it against excellent competition. He can certainly do that in the SEC. Now... Luther Burden on one side of the field is commanding, commanding double teams or at least three sets of eyes on him. What does that do? Well, all of a sudden, Dominic Lovett or Mookie Cooper can run that, that screwy little uh, motion uh, pitch run that they do. Uh, Towski Dove is now free to kind of camp out on the first down marker and not have to worry about, you know, a linebacker or a nickel bracketing him with his corner. Um, our, our, our tight ends, the horse, Ryan horse camp, whenever he gets out there, or Messiah Swenson can now be running little, uh, go routes up the middle and know that they're going to have double eyes on, on boot on burden on one side. So drink can scheme a lot of routes away from burden in a way to make, make the defense choose one or the other. And that frees up our receivers who are good, but not elite to be working with less coverage on them. And that's going to do a world of wonders for quarterback for the passing game for whoever our running back is next year. Maybe Michael Cox. I don't know, but it just makes everything, everybody's job easier because the second Luther Burden steps on the field, defense is going, look at three. We're covering him. We have to stop him first. 
And that's going to free up a lot of guys to do a lot of things a little bit more naturally instead of forcing them to do stuff that they can't do yet. Yeah, Luther Burden is also different from the last five-star receiver that Missouri got to commit. And I do think this is an important thing to bring up because I, I've seen a lot of Missouri fans saying something to the degree of, yeah, I'm excited about this, but, you know, I, I was also excited about Doriel Green Beckham and he didn't end up making the impact in year one that I was hoping for. And that's there's some truth to that. I, I, I just think that it's important to remember DGB was an athlete, a freak athlete who was playing receiver. He didn't necessarily know what he was doing when he was out there playing receiver. But he was playing receiver and he was a freak athlete. And so even in his freshman year, he finished with 400 yards and five touchdowns. So it's not like he was just a complete nothing burger. And then in year two, when he finally had his breakout, 60 catches, 900 yards, 12 total touchdowns. That's a pretty damn good year, man. So he ended up still breaking out even after that. And then we all know where the story went from there. But Luther Burden is a wide receiver. He's an athlete. Don't get me wrong. He's competitive. He's fast. He's strong, but he's a receiver. He can run routes today. One of my criticisms of Dominic Lovett last year, whenever he committed was uh, he, he, he doesn't run a whole lot of routes at this point in his career. And so I do wonder, is, is he going to be ready really to take on that? Like number one, number two wide receiver role. So uh, in his first year, I, I think that's kind of played out. I think we've seen maybe the answer to that was no. He's averaging eight and a half yards per reception. He's averaging right around the same as Tyler Beatty, who's playing out of the backfield. Lovett's basically been a running back at receiver this year, which is fine. It takes a while to develop, but he hasn't been the guy that I think people maybe were hoping based on the, the pedigree. Luther Burton is. He's ready to go. He comes in day one. He's your best receiver, and it's not close. He's your best player on the football field whenever he comes in in day one. He's that good now. And so that's why I do think it's important to make that comparison between he and Doriel Green Beckham, because while they're similar in terms of the pedigree that they come in with, they're really not similar in just about any other way. Yeah. DGB physical dudes. You both basically posted up, out jumped, or sped by them and was just bigger than them. Mm -hmm. One thing that, um, you know, they always talk about Jerry Rice. And how he was overlooked. And how he wasn't like super fast or super quick. His skill was the fact that he could hide the route he was running at an elite level. Whether that was the eyes, the head fake, the shoulders, the knees, whatever. He looked at how he ran his routes and he hid those routes until the very last split second. The corner could not get any kind of tell or any kind of read on what he was going to do. And because he was able to fool them so well... It didn't matter that he wasn't the quickest or the fastest or the biggest or the strongest. He would just, he was better. He was better in every way. And then the physical traits were covered by that. And he was a hall of famer at the receiving position. I'm not saying that's what Luther burden is right now. I'm saying that's the type of, of difference that we're talking about here, where DGB was just physically better. Luther burden is fast, is strong can jump and is also just more polished route runner just flat yeah. out we've seen him go against elite high school corners yeah high school i understand but elite high school corners and make them look stupid so 
this is this is what we're bringing. He's not going to just like have to figure out the receiving position. He knows the receiving position. He needs to he needs to read the book. He needs to figure out the stuff, the blocking, all the all the calls and all that stuff. But like, he has the skill set to be an excellent receiver instead of just like you said, an excellent athlete. So he can put up the production. I don't know if he's going to be you know what his trajectory is going to be. He's certainly not going to have Corbin Burkstresser throwing the ball to him, which is a huge improvement. Um, but we don't know who's going to be throwing it to him. It could be Bayslake, it could be making, could be Horn. Who knows? But regardless of who that is, I guarantee you he's going to be getting open. I guarantee you he is going to be making SEC corners look very stupid very quickly. And I, that 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 is a skill set that you're looking for when you assign five stars to receivers. And that's what he has. And God, I'm just so freaking excited to see him do it in the SEC, man. Did you see what my comp was for him? Uh, remind me. He ended up being a first round receiver for, for Mizzou. Uh, Jeremy Macklin. That, that's, ah, yeah. that, that's what he reminds me of. He's, yeah. he's faster than just about everybody that I goes up against. But it's almost like a deceptive speed in a weird way. Uh, he's stronger than people probably think incredible balance could probably play running back if you really needed him to in a pinch like all of the things that made jeremy macklin special in his time at missouri those are the same qualities by the way competitive competitiveness is something that anytime you you read anything or see anything or any scouting reports about him luther burden it will say something about how much he competes and i think the same was also true about jeremy macklin certainly in his time at missouri but then also in the nfl I think that's probably the comparison. And I don't want to make people think that locks in 80 receptions for a thousand yards and 13 <laughs> touchdowns in year one. Sure. I'm not saying that because I don't know what the usage is going to be. But skill set wise, if you want a, an idea of kind of what style of player Luther Burden is and what his potential could be, to me, that's it. That That's the closest thing that we've seen. It's another guy who spurned Oklahoma, by the way. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know, like, how would you feel about Luther Burning returning kicks and or punts? I'm in. Like, I, Get your I best players the on the mind. field, man. If, uh, if Devontae yes. Smith can do it, then Luther Burden can do it. I am of the mind that you put your best, just whoever it is, put it out there. I know there's some people who are like, I don't want my best skill position player to be what risking injury on a punt or oh, screw that <laughs> Jeremy Macklin was the most dynamic athlete on the, on those 07, 08 teams. He was returning both kicks and punts, put them back there and make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing is like, it's the one time where you can almost guarantee you're getting him the ball in space. Mm -hmm. You can, you can scheme up ways to get him the ball in space, but even against the best teams, when you're going up against Georgia or Alabama or whoever is on the schedule over the next few years, it's going to be really hard to find ways to get him the ball in space, at least early on, because everybody's going to be keying on him, as you mentioned earlier. So what's the best way to do so? Well, if you force a punt, they got to punt it to Luther. And if you actually give it to him and put it in his hands, God only knows what can happen from there. You're doing so at your own risk. So the other thing it does is if they don't want to punt it to him, well, now that puts pressure on the opposing punter as well. And now you could get even better field position as a result so whether they actually punt to him or decide that they're not going to it, it all it can do is help your offense so yeah i think he should be out there starting as your punt returner from day one and then kick return maybe a little different i don't know if that's 
the same ability for him, but I know punt return wise, he's been incredible at that in his high school career. So definitely got to be out there for those. I have heard like from special teams coaches, people who are familiar with special teams that for kick returners, you, you typically want your fastest guy, mm-hmm. your fastest guy who can read blocks, right? But like your fastest guy, because when he catches the ball, the defense is still going to be 20, 20 yards away. Like you got time to set up your, your block and your formation, read that and go for punts. You want your, your quickest shiftiest guy. And that's why typically running backs or corners tend to get that, that designation for punts because yes, you are in space, but typically you're going to have one, maybe two guys who are, are really, really, really close, if not up in your grill. And so you want to be able to make a couple dudes miss and kind of, juke some guys out of their shoes to create a lane for you to run and then flip the field. I am only saying this because Luther Burden can do both. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not saying like, Oh, he'd be better for one or the other. No, I'm saying he can do both. Jeremy Macklin could do both. This is, this is what you want. You want to have that threat so that they have to think about their special teams just as much uh, as we do, because we are still one of the greatest special teams uh, performers in the, in the nation, by the way. Um, but yes, I absolutely think he should be back there. I know we joked at the beginning. No, I don't think he's going to punt. If he did great, I'm fine with that. Uh, but he's going to have a lot of other work to do in a given game. Uh, we don't need to stretch him out for punting, but, uh, yeah, if you want to throw it out there and then get goofy with it, uh, knock yourself out, coach drink, coach link, do, uh, do what you want to do. Huh? I'm not going to stop. I mean, just get him the ball, get him the ball and figure yeah. it out. The, the one I, I do wonder if they put him out there to punt like early in the year. And then like the third time that they do it, they decide to to fake it with him. Uh, sure. I, yeah. I don't know if you'll see that or not, but maybe he'll be on the punt team for some of that. Probably not. But uh, it's a fun thought. Nonetheless, I mean, get get excited about this, Missouri fans. You You can. Whatever crazy fantasies you have about all of this stuff, just go ahead and live them out over the next year before we get to see him in a Mizzou uniform. Uh, The other thing that I did want to ask you about just in terms of the receiver position is like if you're projecting right now, who do you think are going to be the top receivers for Mizzou next year? Maybe like your your top five, because those are probably the ones that will see the most playing time. I think we can we can safely assume Luther Burden. Dominic Lovett, Mookie Cooper. I would assume so, yes. Who else would you put on that list right now, as of today? <sighs> Can I put JJ Hester? Based off of what I've seen, yeah, I was going to say JJ Hester, just because he's been able, he hasn't done a lot, but when he's had it, 184 yards on on 12 targets, that's a 66% uh, catch rate, 23 yards per catch, 15 yards per target. I think he is a big play threat. And with Kiki Chisholm gone, I don't know what Boo Smith is going to do. I'm assuming he's coming back, but um, those three are kind of are, are lined up in the same receiving slot. So I would assume JJ Hester there, unless Luther Burden starts there. I do think Dominic Lovett will start. He and Towski Dove are kind of the, apparently the same receiving slot. Who knows? But then I would say Mookie Cooper. And if you're going four wide, Luther, Dom, Mookie and JJ with chance looper rotating in. I think the other three guys for me outside of those top four that we had mentioned looper dove. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Jamorian Wayne, Jamorian Wayne. Yeah. I wondered if you're going to say that. Yeah. I 
I think I'm in on this kid, man. I don't know how much you've watched. I, I'm going to be writing some more about um, where my recruiting class is on Friday. So if you're listening to this right now, be sure to keep a lookout on that. Should be on the website Friday, Saturday morning, uh, rockimnation.com. Wayne is a really good player. And if not for Missouri getting a commitment from literally the best receiver in the country, I think a lot of Mizzou fans would be really excited about Jamarian Wayne arriving on campus. He's 6'3". He's like 175, so he's not a big guy, but he plays kind of physically. He There's some of that, honestly, some of what you see from J.J. Hester, Wayne has in his game. I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do early on. Maybe it does, similar to Hester, take a year or so for him to be able to really understand the offense and get a grasp on everything and run the full route tree that that's possible. But if I was to make, I guess a bold prediction on the receiver core next year, it's that Wayne makes more of a jump into that room than people are anticipating today. I would agree as long as his run blocking is just as good as I've seen it because Missouri's receivers are not good at run blocking. It's really holding them back right now. And I think that, well, we've, we've seen before. Um, oh my God, I'm blanking out. Dave Yost. Dave Yost said, when, you know, he was the offensive coordinator here. 20, 2009 to 2012, I want to say. Um, he said that he would, in practice, he would slot receivers based off of how they ran blocked. Now that was that was a different offense. Obviously, when you have Henry Josie, you're going to run a little bit more, but that was how he gave preference to rotations as a receiver. Jermaine Wayne is a scrawny little kid right now, but he blocks his ass off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, if he can do that, if he can replicate that at the college level, yes, I would absolutely believe that he cracks the rotation and sees some play. If he needs to beef up a little bit, I'm going to say no. So that's, that's it's kind of tough to think, but I like that. I like that idea. That he's got talent and Missouri needed an influx of talent at that position and they've got it but with what they've done throughout the offseason and now into the season itself with their recruiting they've got it so he's a guy that is definitely worth getting excited about uh, outside of the obvious which is the five-star talent that they've got at the, this position I mean there's plenty of recruits in this class to be excited about they've they've added a lot of talent to this group so it's it's a good time, man. Uh, the momentum, we mentioned this on last week's podcast, the momentum had really kind of come to a screeching halt because the team hasn't performed well on the field. This Luther Burden commitment puts a lot of wind back into the sails. And if they mm. didn't have this, it would have it would have felt really pretty bad by the end of the season, potentially. <laughs> now that they do have this win, And I know it doesn't count at the end of the regular season in terms of the win-loss record. I get that. But we feel it. We see it. It it feels almost tangible to all of us on the outside looking in. So even if they do go 5-7, and the recruiting that they've done, I think, is going to be enough to sustain them through the offseason where Mizzou fans are like, you know what? I'm still here for it. I'm still a believer that this thing's headed in the right direction. And by whether it be next year or more likely probably 2023, I think this is a team that can get back on track and get back to its winning ways. I'm still going to be mad if we lose to Vanderbilt. Well, yeah, no, you can't do that. You you can't lose to Vandy. This has to be a win. Yeah. 
I'll be annoyed if we lose to South Carolina. But if we lose to Florida and Georgia and Arkansas, I'm just going to be... <laughs> Luther Burden's going to cook you yeah. asses next year. <laughs> like, I don't care. Well, maybe not Georgia, but care. the rest of them. No, probably not Georgia. Although, oh, God, you know what the weirdest thing is? And I, I understand being a fan means you're a little crazy. That's why fan is short for fanatic. Ha ha ha. But man, there was so much saltiness from Georgia last night. They were uh, they were dunking on the the Drinkwitz shooter shoot tweet. They were making fun of how how excited we were. I'm like, y'all need to chill out. You got you're the best recruiting team in the nation, and you treasure and celebrate every five star you get. They just flipped. A five-star defensive end from USC to Georgia wouldn't shut up about it today. And I'm like, okay, what? <laughs> like, I even saw someone say, you're not even gonna believe this. I saw someone who watched the Drinkwitz uh shooter shoot video, the very beginning, there's some somebody speaking in the background, whether it's on TV or in person, I don't know. But it said that the words were, I want to thank my mom. And somebody on Twitter legitimately said, did you hear he thinks his mom? This recruitment's far from over. Georgia's still in it. Oh like, like, okay, look, look, in the in the age of the, the relaxed transfer rules in the portal, and obviously nothing stops until you're on campus, like, no, the recruitment's over. But what what the hell does I want to thank my mom, who might not even be Luther Burden, to have anything to do with this recruitment? They were just getting Zapruder film all over this thing. I'm like, you all have literally 75% of your roster is blue chippers right now. And you're getting you're getting your 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 underwear in a wad because the best receiver didn't pick you one time. Really? That's what you're getting mad about? So I I I like Georgia fans. I've never met one who's been a dick. I like all of my interactions with most Georgia fans, but that's just been a really crazy pill that I did not anticipate having to swallow. And it makes me happy that we get to benefit from Georgia's loss. One of the two times we get to do that in our lives. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm going to say it. Luther Burden already decommitted once. It's incredibly rare for a commit to decommit from two different schools. Especially when they're uh, actually going to that school for the second semester. Because Luther is going to be, according to him, enrolling early. So he'll be in Columbia, what, two and a half months from now? In January. Yeah. Yeah. We're like 10 10 or 12 weeks away from Luther Burden being on campus. And not for a visit, because he lives there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So... Like, yes, he might transfer away. I understand that. But no, he's he's going to be on campus at some point. So one other thing. I'm sorry it didn't work out for you, Georgia. Go cry. Quick follow up on that, Nate. Nobody likes to downplay fun more than college sports fans. I don't understand it. (laughs) I don't understand it. I really don't. The entire premise of sports is supposed to be that these are fun. But every time I see any fan base uh, rush the field, it's like, oh, shouldn't have done it there. The rules state <laughs> that because you were yeah. ranked 25th and they were ranked second, that is not a wide enough gap between two teams. You weren't allowed to do that there. It's like, no, just they're 21 years old. They're hammered right now. They were out in the parking <laughs> lot from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. And then they 
brought in like seven different shots that they took throughout the game. They're hammered. They just want to go on the field and hang out with their buddies so they can tell each other five years from now, hey, remember that that night when we ended up on the field and took a picture with the backup quarterback? That was wild. Like, that's what this is supposed to be for. Why do we have to downplay all of this stuff? So I don't understand that. I don't understand anybody that'll tell you to like downplay how exciting this is. No, you should be thrilled. Your favorite football team yes. just landed a commitment from one of the top six players in the country. However you want to respond to this, whether it's going out for a nice dinner with your family, grabbing yourself that whiskey that you hold in the back because you just don't want to get it out unless it's a special occasion, whatever it is, <laughs> go ahead and do it. You've earned it, Mizzou fans. You've been through a whole hell of a lot of crap over the last few years in particular. This is one of those moments that we are all in this for. So celebrate it while you can. Celebrate the big wins on or off of the field. And this is certainly one of those. This is is a momentous occasion, mm -hmm. my man. This is a big one. So uh, we've been, we've been leading up to this for quite a while, even since Luther Burden was still committed to Oklahoma when there were all the rumors that maybe, possibly, hey, do you think Luther could decommit? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Could he go to Mizzou? I don't know. I don't know. All of the whispers have now become a reality, and he's a tiger. So, congratulations, Mizzou That's fan. This is, a, this is a pretty cool day, pretty cool week, pretty cool time to be a Tigers fan. Yeah. I wish we could rush the field for this. Yeah. Can we just drive to Columbia and just, like, get on for a... It's a bye week. They're not One there. of my favorite Mizzou memories is uh, the 20... Was it 2013 Texas A&M last the Henry Josie run? Mm -hmm. I mean, we we all rushed mm -hmm. the field after that. It was great. They won the SEC and it was it was a wonderful night. I did not. I figured I was too old for that, so I let you use run out there. I was crying anyway. I didn't really want great. to see me. But I mean, God, yeah. When you're, I can count the number of good i good ideas I had from 18 to 22 on one hand. They just don't. I exist. also think it was so, silly that Mizzou fans didn't rush the court after Mizzou beat Kansas in 2012. I guess okay. it would have been in the final yes, basketball game that they played against one another. Rush, rush the court. But that's it's okay. because no. that's because Kim English and Marcus Dimon told him not I know. to. And I think it was silly. I think you should have done it. I think I think Mizzou fans should have done it. it. That that is that would have been so much more fun. It would have added to just another layer of that story. But it's neither here nor mm. there. That's a very different conversation, I suppose. <laughs> Look, college football, college sports in general, but certainly college football hates usurpers. They hate them. And I don't know why. But if it's not a blue blood and if it's not, you know, everyone's got their own made up rules that they like to play. Screw them. You got your own rules. This is Missouri. I agree. Get Get something nice for yourself. Do something nice for your family. Do something nice for yourself. Just enjoy it because you never know when it's going to happen again. And we like to think that it's going to be consistent. But again, we also thought we'd win more bowl yeah. games in the 2010s and we only won two. So like you just got to enjoy it for when it happens. And this is this is a momentous occasion. I absolutely agree. So good vibes, good times, feeling happy. Uh, we're not going to talk about Texas A&M and there's no game to preview. So this was the Luther Burden show. And I hope you all loved it because we've literally talked about the man every single podcast since he's decommitted and it came to this. So happy, happy day. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm assuming you're done. That's all I got, man. I got nothing more. I, yeah. I know that we will yeah. continue paying attention to Luther Burden's season whenever they play IMG Academy we'll be bringing you the stats from that game nothing changes really on our front <laughs> the only thing that changes now no. is that 
we aren't going to be wondering where he's going to go. We know that part, and now we get to just play mm -hmm. out the string until we, we actually get to see him in a Tigers uniform in spring ball. Absolutely. So that's the show for today. We will not be doing a Sunday show this weekend because there are no games to preview. We will come back to you next Wednesday talking about Vandy. Probably talk about Luther Burn a little bit more just because it makes me happy. But that's it for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment. You can give us a rate. We love all types of feedback from you guys. You can follow us on Twitter at Nate G. Edwards is me at BK Sports Talk is him. Of course, you can follow the Rockin' Flagship at Rockin' Nation. And you can listen to BK on the radio in St. Louis, 101 ESPN, the number one afternoon sports talk radio in the state of Missouri. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U.